0: Welcome to episode 15 of Sport Oregon Voices. This podcast gives you an insider's look at upcoming events and shares the unique stories that prove there's no better place in the world for sports than here in Oregon. This week is all about the Hillsboro Hops, celebrating their 10th anniversary season with the first female manager in high A baseball history and a new ballpark on the way. Today, we're joined by Hops group sales manager and radio voice Seth Hoyland, manager Ronnie Gajownick, and president and GM K.L. Wambacher. If you want sport at the highest level, we've got you. Welcome to episode 15 of Sport Oregon Voices. Welcome to episode 15
1: of Sport Oregon Voices. We're here at Ron Tonkin Field in Hillsborough to talk about the hops and the 10th anniversary season. I'm Seth Hoyland, uh, group sales manager here for the hops and one of the radio broadcasters, as well, and joined today by a couple special guests, HOPs president and general manager, K.L. Wambacher, and first year manager, Ronnie Gajownik. And with that, I'll let you guys each introduce yourself. K.L. first, kind of a little bit about
0: uh, your job and and how you got started here with the HOPs. Great, well, great to be here uh, as a proud member of Sport Oregon. It's nice to be featured on Sport Oregon and uh, excited to share the, the stage here with with Ronnie and Seth. Um started my career in 2001 as an intern in Yakima, Washington, and somehow I tricked him into hiring me full time in 2002. And along with Seth, did uh, started my career in sales, did some ticket sales and sponsorship sales, and then um, was offered the GM position in 2005 and spent the next however many years, seven or so years in Yakima, Washington. With the team and then also got to oversee moving the team to Hillsboro and, and launch this franchise in 2013. So it's been a great ride of 20 plus years and, uh, keep showing up today showing up every day for work and still have a job. So it's great. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. That's a, uh, great thing about working in baseball. You get to do a little bit of everything, kind of figure out parts that you like, whether you're working whether you're playing and figure out what works best for you. Of course, Ronnie, talk a little bit about your growing up in baseball, softball, and kind of your experience, what brought you here today.
2: Yeah, so again, happy to be on. So, yeah, growing up, my dad always had me with baseball and softball, and, um, you know, I still remember the day when they switched me over to softball. I cried a little bit and saw all of my teammates out on the other field, but uh, it's pretty cool how everything kind of comes full circle, so I played softball, was on Team USA for the women's national team. We went to the Pan Am's and won a gold medal. It was a great experience. And then from there, just kind of, I just stayed in baseball. Of you know, I grew up like I said, watching it and playing it. And then from there, I was an assistant softball coach. And then I had my resume sent out to different clubs. And a great guy, Corey Swope, gave me a call, and I landed my first position with the D-backs in 21. Was video coordinator actually here in Hillsboro. And then obviously I'm here this year as a manager. So it's uh, pretty, pretty cool to see the evolution of women. And then also too, just of myself.
1: And going back to your time in Hillsboro back in 2021, kind of your first um, opportunity in pro ball, per se. Mm-hmm. What What did that opportunity mean to you being here in Hillsboro and now being able to come back as a manager of the team?
2: Yeah, I think it's the fact of. You know, and that rolls a little bit of the little people and the fact of just how the front office treated me, how KL treated me, Mike and Laura, the fans, everyone of it just being, you know, normal. And this was the first time that they had had a female in this role and it was just a normal day to day thing. And so I, I appreciated the the normalcy of it. And um, it was it was a great time. So to be able to come back to Hillsborough on this role, it was definitely full circle and really cool to give back even more and just to say thank you for how they first welcomed me in my first year.
1: And when you found out you were coming to Hillsborough, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Who gave you the call? Yeah. What kind of happened there?
2: Yeah, it was, uh, Josh gave me the call. So I was actually working in the Fall League at the time. And I would jokingly say I was cleaning my blinds when he called me and I saw his, uh, saw his name pop up. And it's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. So I was hoping for the really good thing, and it was. And uh, so, yeah, he, he told me and, uh, you know, I was... I was excited that he said manager, but I was actually more excited that he said manager for Hillsboro, the fact of coming back here again with everybody. So it was a really cool moment of sharing that with my wife, AJ, and then being able to tell my parents a week later uh, in person because uh, my parents have put in a lot of time and effort into me just growing up with school and with softball and with baseball and allowing me the opportunities to get myself here, so it's really, really cool and really special to see those tears come down when I told them.
1: Absolutely, and going back a little bit to the Pan Am Games in Toronto in 2015. What did that mean to you to represent the USA, represent your country in such a unique tournament?
2: Yeah, it was, uh, I remember when they said, okay, we're going to go ahead and read out the names. If your name's been called, you're going to go ahead and head outside. And I remember just closing my eyes and putting my head down. And then when I heard my name of going out there and celebrating with... Uh, people who I'd played with before and then obviously, you know, us all knowing that we get to go to the highest women's baseball has ever been um, at that world stage. So to be able to represent USA, and I still remember calling my parents and letting them know and to uh, hear the national anthem out on the field. And especially too when we won the gold medal and sing all the Canadians fans, Canadian fans like leave all sad and whatnot. But it was uh, it, it was pretty it was uh, uh, unbelievable and I'll never be able to forget it. It was uh, great.
1: And Kale, for you, ten years of baseball in Hillsboro. There's been a lot of players, a lot of managers, a lot of coaches that have uh, come through here. Multiple league championships, three of them to be exact. What are some of your favorite moments um, in those ten years here as as manager, or as a GM of the Hops?
0: I would say, I mean, one of my favorite moments was just Opening Day 2013 when we when we put in all the work to build the franchise, name the franchise, sell tickets, build the stadium. And then to be able to unveil it and have a sold out crowd here, we had a ton of d executives here and including Luis Gonzalez and, and, you know, Bob Gebhardt and a bunch of others, just kind of legends in baseball and just celebrating that day with them, having the city council throw out the first pitch, um, and just seeing the joy on people's faces of having pro baseball in Hillsborough. And, and I remember that first year, just. Talking to so many people about, and Ben Petrick, who who grew up here and played in the big leagues, got Parkinson's, and he ended up coaching for us for for a while. And I remember just walking with him and he's just like, I can't believe there's pro baseball in my hometown. So the sense of pride that this team brought to this community, just initially. Was something I'll never forget. and I think just continues to build year after year. Um, this community just loves having pro baseball in, in, in their city. Um, another great memory is is more recent, and that's our play ball weekend. We started it last year, we expanded it this year. Um, last year we went out to five different sites throughout the metro. This year I think it was seven or eight, somewhere in there um but but taking mlb's play ball weekend it's a national deal and and for us taking it out into the community into different parts of the portland metro every single player every single coach was involved our front office was involved i mean it's all hands on deck but you know we have 150 125 kids at every site and just seeing the joy on their faces and spreading the 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 joy of baseball and the love of baseball to to those kids who are going to be our future fans um, the, those experiences are, are really the why of, of, why we do this. It's, it's to, it's to build a baseball community, build a fan base and build community. And that's what those events do. And kind of building off
1: that Ronnie, obviously you were involved with the play ball camp, um, this year, the whole team was coaches, um, and just going out there and seeing the kids and being able to interact with them. And I see little kids, little girls, especially come up to you at games. How special is that to you knowing that you have such a big impact on these kids who want to be like you want to play professional baseball. Um, And I know I see it every day and I know that that's something, you know, for you that has to be special.
2: Yeah, it's pretty neat. I I think back to growing up in central Florida, my dad would take me out of school sometimes. Um, I think my mom knew, but maybe she didn't, but (laughs) take me out of school sometimes and take me to spring training games. And I think back if I had seen a female on the field, then I, I my entire life would have changed from that moment of knowing that I had the opportunity to do that. So to be able to be that visibility for them and i think too like when i was growing up my mom told me if i got straight a's i think i was in sixth grade if i get all straight a's and i can paint my room whatever color and i got straight a's and we got a good old chicago cubs blue and red and she absolutely hated it but then even on my walls i had you know each uh, ichiro suzuki i had sammy sosa a rod barry bonds like i had all these guys on my wall and now being able to understand like I grew up loving the game because of the players and now it's full circle because it's now I'm a coach and now I'm helping develop these you know helping develop them and help them keep on the path of developing these studs that are going to be on the bedroom walls of kids one day so again are wanting to aspire wanting to be that or wanting to be around that so it's it's cool being around that where it just keeps giving back and it's inspiration. It's a little bit of like what came first, either the, you know, the superstar on the wall or the little kid in the bedroom. So I feel like they, they go hand in hand. So it's really cool being a part of that.
1: And in January, when you were named manager of the hops, became the first uh, female high manager in, in minor league baseball history, how how do you kind of balance, um, you know, coming showing up to work every day trying to do your job but also knowing in the back of your head that you're a trailblazer it's the first um and you know when you go out there every game to the third base coach's box you are the first at this level how have you kind of balanced that and tried to um you know manage that kind of mentally
2: yeah um my wife humbles me really well (laughs) um but no i think it's 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 definitely very important but i know that again it's not just me who, who got there. It's everybody who came. For me. And yes, I understand that I'm a trailblazer, but I'm only here because the trailblazers and before me. So I try not to have too much weight, but like I say, for, for me as a female coach and as a female manager, you know, if, if another, if, if one of our players goes to another team and they have a female manager, a female coach, like I've set the expectations for them of, of, of the female. And I think that sometimes, um, that can carry a lot of weight because I don't. I only represent myself, but because again, I'm I'm one of few. I represent every female that's in this sport. When again, when I have you know, Ronald Ramirez or Ty Wright or Gabby, you know, they're just representing themselves and they're not representing the whole gender of being a male. But I'm representing the whole gender of being a female, and so I'm I'm excited for the day where there are multiple trailblazers and it just becomes more. Well,
1: In a series right now playing against the Vancouver Canadians, the high affiliate of the Blue Jays, you look across to the third base side dugout, you see your good friend Ashley Stevenson, you see a couple other female staffers. When you look across the way and see that again become more of a normalized thing, just talk about the sense of pride that you have when you and Ashley are on the field together at the same time.
2: It's cool. No, I saw. So she was with Team Canada. So I've seen her on the opposite dugout before when we were playing up in the okay. Pan Ams and uh, they're they're doing pretty well against us here. But I I still say I have the gold medal and she has a silver, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, but no, it's it's just cool seeing how, again, organizations and also to the, the men and women who have those higher positions in each ward. Again, they're seeing value for for value. They're not seeing it based on gender. They're not seeing it based on color. They're seeing how can you make our organization better for, like, from yourself and also, too, for our players. So it's just cool seeing the orgs understand and see the value that women can bring in so, uh, so many different positions.
1: Totally. And, Kale, when you heard Ronnie was coming to the Hops to be the manager of the Hillsborough Hops, what, what, what went through your mind? What... Um, I know you you have a lot of great things to say about Ronnie. What really made her the right choice for the job to be the manager of the Hillsboro Hops?
0: I mean, there was there was no doubt that she was gonna be a good manager. Um, just knowing her approach and her, you know, the 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 presence she carries on the field, off the field, um, her confidence, um, everything else. But I think for us it was personal. <laughs> it was we just were we like ronnie so much we're just big fans of her and so one to see her get the opportunity would have been super cool Um, but to have it here in hillsborough and know that we're the organization that she gets to represent um, she becomes part of our story and our brand um, but we get to support her along the way uh, in her first year and you know be a be a small part helping her navigate some of the some of the differences of of her taking this role on and and just be there for her to support her. I think that was the, the best part of it, you know, knowing that she's not going to Visalia or or you know, would have been great if she goes to a but um, you know, if she's not going to the Arizona League. She's not going to Visalia. Like, we wouldn't have a lot of control supporting her in that instance, but but having her come here, we know like, all right, we got it, we got her, we got it. Um, and and we knew that because this is such a great sports community, it's it's been super supportive with women's sports we knew that she'd be received with open arms and, and it would be like one of the best organizations, but one of the best communities for her, for her to come into. Um, and I think one other thing just on the topic of seeing, you know, females and other dugouts and stuff like that, I think what's really impressed me over the last few years is how normalized this has become so quickly. I mean, Three years ago there really wasn't any female coaches. Pre-COVID, I don't I don't know if there was a, a female coach. So how quickly it's happened, but how quickly it's been normalized. And maybe that's just the D backs, but you know, these these it, it doesn't seem like these coaches are necessarily treated that they're females. They're treated as coaches. And I think that's really important as we move forward as an industry that there's always gonna be a first for something, and that's extremely important. But but the quicker we can normalize this of these these are qualified people, (laughs) male, female. Yes, but they're qualified people to do these jobs and they're really good at it. And Ronnie, I know
1: you're a part of a small women in sports group here with some of the front office members and we have women in sports night coming up next week. Um, Obviously, the Portland metro area really supports women's sports like nowhere else in the world. I know you're a big soccer fan, a big Thorn supporter. tell us about the support that you've received just from the local community here whether it be on social media in person at games at road games um just kind of the pacific northwest kind of taking you in
2: yeah no i mean it's been great like it, like what kale was saying earlier in regards to the community that's why i was so excited for hillsboro because i knew it was going to be a great fit for for me and for my wife and for my first year so you know just whenever we're at home, you know, hearing everybody, you know, like say my name or say, Hey, come on, Ronnie. Or, you know, when we're away again, we have those loyal fans that'll come out and just introduce themselves and just say, Hey, I think it's awesome what you're doing. And I think one of my favorite things is just hearing how, you know, especially for for older women who are like, I'm so jealous of you that you have this opportunity. And, and I think it's a, the the way that it's going there, it's, that is not going to be said for a couple, you know, that, that's going to, that saying is not going to be said uh, very often, very soon. So.
1: Yeah. And in the 10 year history here, of the hops, there's been 47 former Hillsborough hops who have made their major league debut. Slade Ciccone just made his major league debut this week. Number 47 as a coach, as a manager, obviously winning ball games is important, but it's unique in the minor leagues that you get to really help these individual players develop their personal career And obviously in the years to come, I'm sure there'll be many players who have played for you who will make it to the bigs. How does that kind of look on a day-to-day basis as far as focusing on winning, but also individual development?
2: Yeah. Again, at the end of the day, like I'm wanting to get wins here for the hops, but at the end of the day, like we need to get wins up, up in the big leagues. And, you know, it's that fine line of allowing them to stay in and moments for their development because it's going to be a lot easier for them when they're in double A or when they're in triple A or when they're in the big leagues, like, Hey, I've already been in this situation where it's the bottom of the eighth inning and there's runners on first and second with no outs. And like, I got to get these guys out because we're only up by one. So being able to leave them in and understand that it might not necessarily be best for us right now in the moment, but down the road, when they're in that situation, again, let's say two weeks from now, they're going to be a lot more comfortable when they're in that situation um, and then also two to get up to double A and then triple A and uh, up to the big leagues.
1: And starting off your managerial career here for series up in Pasco, three games set against Tri-City, lose game one and then win six consecutive games after that. Um, we were joking every time I came to your office, there was an interview request. You were going through the ringer. I mean, multiple interviews a day. How did you kind of manage the emotions of that first week? You know, there were MLB photographers from New York coming out to cover the game, interviewing you after the game. How did you kind of manage that and get through that first week?
2: Yeah, um, I kind of blacked out on that first week. I kind of blacked out a little bit on that first week. Um, But no, I mean, I was, you know, definitely, you know, answering, you know, doing all the interviews and whatnot. But for me, it was more so of, again, just focusing on the guys and focusing on the team and focusing on the culture. So I think that I've kind of uh, allowed myself to like look up a little bit more often now, but I think once the off-season hits, I'll be able to actually um, truly reflect on the importance of it and you know how everything went and whatnot. But I think it was definitely... Um, a magical time in regards of us winning six straight and the walk-offs at home. And it was just really cool to be a part of that and see the smiles on the guys' faces in regards of when they were successful and getting those wins. But no, it was uh, definitely a blackout. So, but all uh, <laughs> a good one. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> and with just about four weeks left in the season, do you have a favorite memory, a favorite moment so far from this year your first year as hops manager?
2: Yeah, I think the... For me, it's a little bit more broad. The the favorite moments are seeing, you know, when Ronald and I or when Ty's doing early work with the hitters or you know, Gabby's working on something specific with the pitchers and you know when they are successful in it in the game and them coming up and being like, oh, I did it. I'm like, Yeah, you did it, that's awesome. And you know, seeing um, you know, Gabby was working with uh Mesa on the slider and uh when he was really landing it, and it was really working when he was in Tri-Cities, like the smile on his face when he came out and just being able to help them be successful. So it wasn't, it's not necessarily a specific moment, but it's, it's all of those moments kind of all combined.
1: And Kale, when fans come to games here at Ron Talkin field this year, they see Ronnie on the field, but as far as in the ballpark and the stands around the stadium, what were some of the kind of uh, new things around the ballpark
0: marketing promotions um, that you were excited about heading into this year? Um, I was excited about just finding ways to celebrate the 10th anniversary and um, Casey Sawyer who runs our marketing has done a great job really highlighting um, some videos some look back videos in certain years we had which are which are really fun um, he worked with Nike to develop a, a new uniform with with a vine pattern with hop vines that um, it, that's done extremely well in retail uh, hopefully the players like it um, uh, our Star Wars night was the best we've ever had I mean it's sold out which is the first time we've like sold out a star Wars night, which was, was really cool. And it just brought, you know, 5,000 people here on a, on a random night. Um, uh, But, but for me too, it's, it's, it's seeing the players develop throughout the year, you know, watching a guy like Ivan Melendez who, you know, starts off a little slow, he's coming back from injury. And then, you know, you just, you see him work day in and day out and then it clicks and, and he has a tremendous amount of success and gets promoted to double a and, Um, I love, I I hate seeing players leave, especially when they're good, but I love seeing them promoted. I mean, it's such a, even though I personally have very little to do with their on-field skill, um, I develop a sense of pride, just seeing them go to the next level in advance. And, um, we root for them more than they know. And, um, we, we take a lot of pride in, in the players that play here, but also move on and hopefully get to the big leagues. Yeah, I had a
1: cool moment early this year when JJ Durasio got called up. He was uh, a guy that I talked a lot with on the team and he gave me a call after the game. I had no idea that he was getting called up and he was standing in the office looking for me. I was upstairs writing the game story and he's like, see ya. I'm like, what? You going to double A? He's like, yeah. And I was, felt that same thing, like excited and obviously he's doing well and you know, uh, seeing guys move up and also looking back at Hillsboro and thinking this is a place that was really special to me. It's been cool seeing a lot of the 10th anniversary videos again that our marketing team, Blake, Casey have put together and just hearing the former big league stars who have played here, talk about their time, looking back on Hillsboro. And I think starting with the top, you've done a great job of kind of creating that culture in the front office. And also
0: um, with the players uh, one other thing too was going to the All Star Game this year. We were fortunate to go up there to, for the Derby in the game, and it was great seeing Corbin Carroll on the field. I mean, Corbin's amazing and probably might go down as one of the best hops ever. Sorry, Dansby, um, but seeing Perdomo on the field, uh, Perdomo was you know 18 years old when he played for us. Just just a young kid, kind of growing into his body. He'd have some big moments for us, but he just he was such a great kid, like a huge smile on his face, great energy to him. Um, and I remember seeing him on the last day when he was leaving downstairs and, and saying, you're going to be a boot shortstaff shortstop one day. I, I, I just know it. And the look on his face was like, really? You think so? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that not just me, but, um, you know, so to, so then fast forward a few years and to see him as an MLB All Star, it was just such a such a neat experience. So um, we're so happy for these guys to go on and, and have success, and we hope that they look back fondly on their experience in Hillsboro. Speaking of kind of the Diamondbacks farm system, a lot of the players
1: come from Visalia to Hillsboro, then they go to Double A Amarillo, and then to Triple A Reno, and then to the Bigs. Um, Ronnie, for you being a part of the Diamondbacks organization. Um, how special has that been to you and and talk about kind of the way that they've treated you, whether that's Josh Barfield, Corey, just some of the guys who really have welcomed you in, welcomed you into the organization. Okay. I'll ask you after, but I know it's, it's been a great 10 years with the Diamondbacks, but just talk about what the Diamondbacks kind of mean to you and and how that's been for you.
2: No, they've, they've definitely become family and some of my closest friends that I have now are backs employees. And so the, the fact of even my wife and I looking for houses and we're like, oh, Scottsdale's actually not too bad. And like, you know, we have, we have friends there. And again, they're, they're becoming family. And the fact of, you know, them giving me my first opportunity in professional baseball, my first opportunity of being a professional coach, my first opportunity of being a professional manager, I will always be loyal to them. And the fact of what they've they've seen in me even and I didn't see it in myself and just the support that they've given to me and to my wife and to my development as a person and also to professionally uh Josh Barfield Matt Grabowski Corey Swope Shane Lukes like there's so many people that I could name that I'm forgetting but um it's there isn't another organization that I would want to be with and even during the whole process of me talking with different organizations for my first year my conversations with the D backs. I told AJ, I'm like, no matter what happens, like I'm going to go with them because of the conversations that we had, the the feeling that, that I got from them from, especially two from Josh. Um, they've, they've just been, it, it's been an unreal past almost now three years with them and it's, it's been great.
1: Ronnie been a long season, obviously at this level, playing six game series have Mondays off. I know, you like to go to wineries on your day off with your wife, and you got a trip uh, back home uh, next week mm-hmm. look, coming up, but what are you looking forward to about the off-season and kind of being able to to step away a little bit?
2: Yeah, um, AJ probably tells me at least once a day how she's excited to be fishing again, So, <laughs> um, but again, she doesn't like to put the shrimp on because they're too alive, so I'll have to do it for her, so she's definitely going to be learning the first week of how to put the shrimp on by herself, but... No, I think that, uh, you know, I I love my job, love the org, love being here in, in Hillsborough. It's definitely a grind of, you know, working from, you know, early camp of January all the way until mid-September, and um, I haven't had more than three days off since January, so it's definitely a, a long time coming, but I would probably say in the off season, I think you know, for for us when we're, we're when we're so into our job, into the players, it's nice to just take a step back and be able to like replenish ourselves, just as human beings, not necessarily as a coach, but just as me, Ronnie Jownick. You know, so to be able to, you know, cook, I haven't really cooked, a, I haven't really cooked a meal in a really long time. I think I've only cooked maybe two meals since January. So I'm excited to get back in the, I'm excited to get back in the kitchen. I know AJ is excited for me to do that too, but, um, you know, just, just have some home cooked meals, definitely taking the boat out because we live on the East coast of Florida. So taking the boat out, we like to go, uh, island hopping. we'll just pull up to an island. We'll be fishing some, might catch our dinner. So definitely excited to, to do that.
1: Cool. Well, sounds like you got a good off season ahead of you, but still some games to play and a game here tonight. So we'll let you go, but appreciate you joining us. Always great catching up.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks, Seth.
1: So, So, Kale, we heard about Ronnie's off season plans. I don't know if you'll be going to Florida or not this off season, but uh, have some time off. What are you looking forward to about uh, this off
0: season? Hanging out on the boat with Ronnie Major. It sounds (laughs) sounds pretty fun. So I might (laughs) might be going to Florida. They haven't invited me yet. uh, Maybe I can make that happen. No, I think I think for me, um, you know, we've got an extremely busy off season with with projects we have going on. Um, definitely spend, you know, more family time. It gets challenging in the summer to or during the season to spend a lot of time with the family. So, um, you know, I love to drive my daughter to school every day. That's kind of that's kind of our time together. And um, we'll try to take a trip here in October so um, and then hopefully play a couple of rounds of golf. There you go. Yeah, no,
1: not a lot of time off working in minor league baseball, but, uh, definitely looking to forward to the off season there. Uh, couple more home stands here at Ron Tonkin field this year, last home game, September 10th, uh, 12 games remain on the schedule, two firework nights.
0: Uh, tell us a little bit about what fans can expect on a Friday fire, na- firework night here at Ron Tonkin field. Fridays are a ton of fun and, you know, we see it with our crowds. It's definitely our best crowd of, of the week. Um, but I think, you know, 12 games left, like now's the time. If, if you want to come out and enjoy a great experience with your family, our mission is always first-class memories. So whether it's a Tuesday or a Sunday or a Wednesday, um, our goal is we want to provide first-class memories for people every single night. And I think what we try to remind our staff of and what we get to see every night is there's someone coming to their first game ever. And it's just such a neat experience to see kids light up when they see barley or they catch a foul ball or they get an autograph from players. You know, that intimate experience we can provide doesn't happen anywhere else in in professional sports. You you can get right down to the field. You can meet a player, you can catch a foul ball, you can meet the mascot Um, in such an intimate venue like this. It's really neat. Those experiences we get to provide. And looking forward to a couple years, uh,
1: it'll be a new ballpark right across the way over there on the northwest side of the complex here as announced uh, in March, $120 million project uh, could host more than 300 events per year here, whether it be uh, hops games, festivals, um, concerts. I know there's a lot other than baseball that you're excited about. Can you talk a little bit about how that project came about and, and what you're looking forward to about uh, about
0: that? Yeah, it's going to be an incredible project and, and something that, you know, we wanted to be ambitious because we're members of this community and we see what this community deserves and, and needs. And we think this venue is just going to bring so much value to the community, so much additional quality of life. It's going to attract events that currently aren't coming to Oregon. Uh, the best venues get the best events. So um, it's been a fun project to be a, to be a part of. How it came about really was mlb's mandate of new player development experiences and facility standards and we agreed in 2021 when we signed the new development contract with major league baseball one of 120 teams we agreed to meet these new facility standards and we have a deadline to do that so we've been working with the city of hillsborough right when we signed that agreement we went to work with the city of hillsborough in a partnership of how do we best accomplish that goal and we spent a lot of time and money trying to figure out a renovation plan for a Ron Tonkin field here. But due to the site constraints of being attached to the football stadium and a major water line running through the parking lot and the street and everything else, it just became too complex to renovate. So fortunately, uh, we w- we've been working with the city to reload, relocate a couple of softball fields and be able to build the stadium right here on site so we can use the existing parking lot. Everyone knows how to get here already. We've got great freeway visibility. Um, It's in a great location for for a ballpark. So and now we're on talking field to be available for the community. So we'll free it up for 365 day community use. We don't have to bulldoze any stadiums. Um, I think this complex is going to be so much more valuable in the future for community use and also hops baseball and concerts and division one baseball and festivals. I know something I'm looking forward to is having the stadium facing the other way, as far
1: as sun here down the left field line can be pretty brutal in a day game or at the start of a seven Oh five game. But what are some of the features, some of the new uh, things that fans can expect at the ballpark? And I guess your favorite part going through the design process of, you know, what you look at and think, man, that's going to be awesome.
0: You're you hit the nail on the head. The orientation is going to be my favorite part. Uh, I, I mean, walking around on our last sunday game when it's it's beautiful weather in the yeah. 80s but we just don't have a lot of shade right yeah. now and and people are are hiding from the sun basically because it just it, it, it gets to be too warm so to have a fully shaded seating bowl at game time to have almost a fully shaded seating bowl for day games that alone is going to make the experience just light years better having a full food and beverage operation will actually have a kitchen for the first time ever We'll have full cooking concession stands for the first time ever so just being able to design the food and beverage operation to to support the type of experience people are looking for i think is going to be transformational and how people enjoy coming to the event um, and then some premium offerings some some additional group areas we have we sell out of our corporate groups, as as you know well, um, and we just don't have spaces for companies looking to entertain their employees and, and clients and stuff like that. So to be able to add a lot of those resources to the market, I think it's going to be pretty valuable.
1: And obviously a very large construction project, you know, opportunities and projects like this don't come around very often building an entire new ballpark. And it's projected to provide $190 million in economic impact just from the construction alone, and then $64 million annually in economic impact once the venue is actually open. Um, just want to share a couple other numbers as well before I kind of get your thoughts on that whole thing. So, the projected economic impact from construction alone will provide almost a thousand jobs, 982 full time jobs to be exact, and $83 million in labor income. And the projected economic impact of post-construction is 381 full-time jobs, paying $20 million in wages and garnering $3 million in state and local taxes. I mean, just kind of jaw-dropping numbers there when you look at it, Uh, an amazing opportunity for the city of Hillsborough, for the region, for the state um can you talk about when you look at those numbers and kind of think about the the opportunities that the just the construction of the stadium
0: is going to provide for for people in the area yeah i mean i i think it there are huge numbers and and i i can barely even comprehend numbers that big um given our humble beginnings but um you know we talked to the contractor that we have on board we talk to the subs that they're looking at hiring we talk to the labor unions and seeing their excitement for the project of a it's wages and and they can actually you know gives them work to do and, and everything else but the pride that they associate with a job like this they talk about we're not just building another hotel we're not just building another building in downtown portland or something like that that we drive by and my kids aren't impressed with i get to bring my family to a venue that i built and the pride that's associated with building a building like this and the ripple effects that has within the community, I think, is 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 really really cool to to hear about. Um, and I think that you know that that's justification for for public dollars as well. You see a lot of sports stadiums throughout the country, public private partnerships. A lot of times, the public is supporting the building more than the private side. In this situation, we flip that, and we're providing more public resources. Or private resources, excuse me, than public resources, but it's very easy to justify the public resources because of that economic impact that this venue is going to bring. The construction of the stadium right across the way, $120 million
1: stadium, really a generational type product. I mean, there could not be another project like this in the area for the next 100 years. I mean, just the opportunity to build a stadium, call it a community gathering place. I know that's been a big focus as we sit here in Ron Tonkin Field of you know, being able to bring the community together, not just and Portland metro area as well, and making everybody kind of feel welcome. How important is that to you with the new venue uh, to kind of look at it as a community gathering place?
0: Well, I think shared experiences is is part of what makes us community. And coming together, having reasons to come together for shared experiences is extremely important. It's part of our biology as human beings to, to, be, to be together, to be with other people. Uh, I think we noticed that firsthand during COVID. Uh, with so much isolation, we couldn't go to events, we couldn't do this, we couldn't do this. And the levels of mental health challenges that that led to um, is, is case in point right there. So I think having a venue that can have such a variety of events, whether it's cultural festivals, whether it's baseball games, whether it's other sports, it's concerts, now you're starting to bring together people from different backgrounds, different, um, you know, different ethnic backgrounds, different affluency, um, for a shared experience. And in today's world where we have a lot of divisiveness over topics coming together to watch a baseball game together, coming together to watch a concert together, coming together for the Latino cultural festival, um, those experiences are what's going to bring us together as a community. So we're excited about what that's going to do for quality of life. Um, We know what it's going to do for quality of life, and it's just going to make our community so much a better place to live, work, and play. And 12 more games here of the 2023 season. Crazy how quickly
1: it went by. Uh, Two more homestands here at Ron Tonkin Field before the the 23 season is in the books. I know you're golfing in the Sport Oregon, uh, big swing tournament September 11th. Uh, I know you're a big golfer, enjoy golfing. Um, is that a tournament
0: that you've played in before or this will be the first time for you? I think this would be maybe the second time I've played in the sport Oregon tournament, but, um, I love playing golf. I wish I got to play more. I think, I think this would probably be my fourth round of the year. So, um, uh, looking forward to it. I know sport Oregon has really ramped up their golf tournament and was and really trying to make it a first class event. So it'll be an honor to be able to play in that. Awesome. Well, appreciate you joining
1: us today. Obviously, thanks to Ronnie out there already getting uh, guys ready for the game here tonight against the Vancouver Canadians, And that'll wrap it up for episode 15 of the Sport Oregon Voices podcast. We'll hope you join us here at Ron Tonkin Field for one of the remaining 12 home games as we wind down the 2023 season. If you can't join us in the next couple weeks at the park, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We got all the social medias and follow along with hops 10th anniversary content have a great weekend everybody and go hops